You're listening to the Banner Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. For more information, visit us online at thebannerchurch.com. Well, I am excited for small groups this semester. I want to encourage you. Yeah, we can celebrate small groups. We uh, we have an incredible small group director here, Gillian Berry, who has done an amazing job. Yeah, let's celebrate her as well. She has done an amazing job. Um, I don't know if you knew this, but it is quite a task during the whole COVID thing uh, to do uh, small groups ministry, especially going online and then part online and then some people online and some people online for a while and then not. And so uh, really just an amazing job that she has done putting these these together. We are so blessed. And so we've had about, I think now we've had about 90 plus people sign up for small groups. We've had 111 registrations for small groups. I would love it if we as a church, uh, we're already going to celebrate that, but to have 100 people signed up for small groups would be awesome. Just to say, you know what, like this is really what it's about. It's about connection and community. And uh, I want to encourage you, that's how relationships are built. They're built over time in connection and community. Um, this week, I was sharing in, in first service, I texted my brother Dave, and I was like, I was like, hey man, can you come help me lift something heavy? <laughs> and he's like, sure. And uh, he got to my house and realized that we had to lift uh, my truck bed uh, back three feet on my truck so I could replace the fuel pump, because, you know, I wasn't gonna pay someone to do it. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, we got to lift a truck bed together. But if you want people to help you lift truck beds, uh, you know, you got to spend time with them. You got you to seed into that relationship so you can draw out later. Uh, and uh, I told him, I was like, I would help you with your car, but it's a Toyota and it's got all the computers. And I don't know how any of that works. So, um, <laughs> but uh, I love small groups. I'm excited you're joining us kind of in the middle of our, or actually one week into our 21 days of prayer and fasting here as a church. Um, this is a season we take at the beginning of every year to fast and pray together as a church. And so we invite everybody to participate in kind of any level that they are able or desiring to um, in praying and fasting and believing for the next year. And uh, it's a really, really cool season. Um, we have a guide on prayer and fasting that's in the back or online at banner.church. So I encourage you to check it out. And if you'd like to join, just jump in with everybody. We'll do a worship night every Sunday night, so we'll be here at 5 o'clock tonight worshiping. Um, I've had a couple people tell me already, like, oh yeah, like uh, <laughs> someone earlier in the week was telling me, like, yeah, I started fasting, but I failed. I'm like, well, that's not really how that works, because it's not a diet. <laughs> like, just, if you want a season of pursuing the Lord, just just pursue Him and, and focus in that way in whatever way is you feel led. If, if it's uh, fasting without the Lord, it's just a diet. And, like, Lord knows I need one, but, like, that's not what we're here for as a church. It's like we're here, we're here to focus deeply on the Lord and what he has for us. So uh, I really encourage you to check out that guide. But, man, a lot of good things coming up. I'd like to share with you the theme for the year. Uh, every year we, ha we have a theme for our church. This last year, the theme for our church was to be his church. And we, we picked that theme uh, before I knew that we couldn't gather in person. And so it was very fitting. And by pick that theme, I, I feel like the Lord really led us in that way. And so in that season of evaluating our gatherings, though, though I do know that the gathering is important, it's commanded by God, I, I think the gathering of believers in any shape or form is really, really important. And that happens around the world in a variety of forms that are all uh, awesome. But 
when we began to step back into 2020, we were really feeling like God was calling us to be like, hey, every person is called to be his church. Church isn't something you go to, it's something you are. You are his church as a believer. And so everywhere you go, you are his church. We gather as the church, but gathering doesn't make us the church. Does that make sense? That just makes us a gaggle of people. <laughs> and many gaggles have assembled for all kinds of reasons. Um, but to be his church, and so that's really where we uh, went deeper into love the block and loving our community and reaching out. And uh, that's Katie of my heart. So our goal in 2021 is that we would have four nights a week that we're loving individual blocks in our community. So we have one. We need three more. In order to do that, y'all need to come to love the block on Thursday nights. Right? That should be the, I shouldn't even have to tell you that because you love the Lord and a natural expression of your love of the Lord is to prioritize loving who he loves. So I won't even like put a guilt trip. I'll just say, y'all got this. Um, all that to say, we, the theme of this year is the way, the way. We're going to talk about over the next two weeks what it means to live the way. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I've been on a social media fast, um, I don't know, for a long time. Uh, but specifically this week, I fasted social media, and I was talking, I think, to Nicole before, and I was like, what a great week to fast social media. I picked a great, just a great, great week to not, not be around that. Um, <laughs> but when you, when you do watch the news and you do watch media, they're, they're, I mean, there's just all, it's, just, it's chaos, right? At this point, like, are you surprised by anything that happens? I'm not surprised anymore. I should be. I should be surprised. Like, as a human, like, I should be like, whoa. But I'm just like, yeah, it's a Tuesday, right? <laughs> like, oh, th that's on fire. Yep, here we are, right? Like, it just, I, I know it should surprise me, but it doesn't. But what I've noticed, and now I haven't been on social media, but I'm on it enough in the past to notice, when, when things happen around, when we begin a year, when we transition seasons, and we go through all kinds of things, uh, uh, the things that are happening now, the explosiveness, the anger, the frustration, the excuses, the conspiracy theories. I've seen like more conspiracy theories in the past like 30 days than in my entire life. I, maybe I just not been paying attention or I just didn't follow some of you on Facebook until recently, but I've seen more conspiracy theories than ever. And I'm just like, what, what is happening? But what I've noticed is as we are living out 2021, even at the beginning, everybody wants to point out there. Everybody wants to point to them. It's them. It's those people. It's them. It's they. They have done this. They're doing this. They're working this. They're in the inner workings of this. They're rising this up. It's their problem. They're not treating the, those Christians, those people. They're not doing enough of this. They, they, them. But can I tell you my favorite thing about Jesus? Is that Jesus is constantly pointing us back to here. If you're listening to the podcast, I'm pointing to my heart. He's constantly pointing us back to our heart. He's constantly pointing us back to here. He points the spotlight here, and he asks the question of, where are we going to point our heart, not our finger? Are we going to point our heart to him? How many of you guys have seen that um, show, The Mandalorian? Okay, I'm a Mandalorian fan. I, I like that show. It's pretty good. Uh, in the show, uh, all the time, they just say, like, this is the way. If it, like, gets close or apparently near his worldview? I don't know what that would be. I don't know. Uh, it's always, this is the way. And so sometimes when I see something, somebody doing something dumb, I look at my wife and I go, this is not the way. <laughs> <laughs> but can I, tell you, 
Can I tell you, beyond the Mandalorian, uh, when, when we point our hearts back to Christ, he's constantly pointing us to him to focus our heart, not our fingers on others, not it's their fault, it's them. These people should be doing this. These people should be doing that. It's pointing our heart to the Lord and saying, this is the way. This is the way to eternal life. This is the way to fulfillment in life. This is the way to peace. This is the way to joy. And so that's why our theme in 2021 is the way. Our desire as a church in order to have fulfillment and purpose in 2021 is to fully and completely live the way. But we have two big questions in 2021 in order to live the way. The first one is, how do I know God's will in my life for 2021? Anyone asking that going into 2021? How do I know God's will in my life for 2021? Second is, we'll talk about it next week, how has God called me to participate in his will for my life in 2021? Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for your word this morning. God, I thank you for everyone you've brought in today, both here and online. God, I thank you that every person, no matter how the world sees us, that you value us so deeply and you care for us all the same and you love us. And God, I pray this morning, I pray you would just reveal the depths and riches of your love to every person. And I pray that in recognizing and receiving that deep love from you, that we might love each other and love others with the fullness of who you are. That like the moon reflecting the glory of the sun, that we might reflect your glory to others and your love and compassion. In Jesus' name, amen. This is the big question we're going to talk about today. How do I know God's will for my life in 2021? How do I discern God's will for my life? And how do I live in God's will for my life? Uh, I get that question a lot. After 12 years of ministry, I probably get that question more than any. Uh, second to, do you think she's into me? <laughs> I did a lot of young adults ministry. I get that everywhere. Do you think she's into me? I feel like the Lord told us we should get married. I don't think he did. <laughs> but, I mean, go for it, man. Shoot your shot. Um, <laughs> but the question I get is, what's God's will for my life? But usually uh, that question comes at a crossroads. It's like a big moment. Usually it's not, like, not a daily question. It's some big moment. Should I, should I marry this person, right? Should I take this job? Should I go to this place? Should I do this thing? God is fill in the blank, is doing fill in the blank your will. Right? If I do this, is this your will? Or do you want me to do this? Is this your will? Anyone ever been in this mode, right? It, do, I, do, I go, do I do this or do I do this? What, what puts me in your will? If I do, if I take, do I take this job? Do I, take, do I go here? And so a lot of us live uh, in this place of being afraid that we either have missed, might miss, or will miss some big moment that directs God's will for our life, right? Like, what, what's God's plan for my life? What if I screw it up? What if I miss it? Like, what if I'm not working at the right job, but I should be working over here? That was God's plan, but I missed it. What if I'm not with the right person? What if I'm not at the right church? What if I'm not in the right opportunity? Like, what if I'm not in the right thing, and I'm just going to, like, miss God's will for my life? And then, like, is there a plan B? What if I screw up God's plan A? Is there a plan B? And someone asked me, like, hey, do you think God has a plan B for our life? And I say, well, if he does, I'm on plan, like, W. <laughs> 
right? If screwing up was going to cost you a plan, I'm down into those like wingdings at the bottom of Microsoft Word that are just shapes. It's like a bridge with like a donkey. <laughs> That's where I am. So I don't know. I hope not because <laughs> I'm out of options. But we live in that space. God, look at what I've done. Look what I am doing. Am I doing enough that you're going to put me in your will? Am I doing enough that you have like a good plan? Is there like a, there's like a top tier? It's like heaven's a pyramid scheme and you got to be in someone's downstream enough to sell enough and do enough to work up. And then you get some other people in your downstream and then you can like, everybody feels good. Is that the will of God? What's my purpose? What should I do? Notice how we always come back to that. We're trying to discern the will of God. We often come back to the, that word, do. What do you want me to do? God, what do you want me to do? But what if it doesn't start with doing? What if discerning the will of God for your life doesn't start with doing? What if it comes from being? Believe to live in the will of God, we need to shift from asking what is the way or where is the way to who is the way and how to how do I become like him we need to shift from God what do you want me to do to who is the way and how do I be like the way and I'm going to explain that uh, I want to look kind of at the final moments of Jesus' life. If you brought your Bible, go to John 14. If not, don't worry. The words are going to be on the screen. We're actually going to start back in John 13, and we're going to end in 15. I'm going to go through some Scripture today, and we're going to sandwich it. Are you guys good to go through some Scripture? I was just going to do that thing where I just, like, do one chunk, but then I was really into it this week, and I was, like, reading the whole thing, and I was like, Katie, what if I just read John 13 through 16? That was my whole sermon. She's like, well, maybe, like, explain it a little bit. I'm like, okay, so that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> but I get fired up on Scripture, and I'm like, you know what? He's saying it so good. I mean, what do I really have to say? <laughs> but, I'll, but I'll unpack it a little bit. Okay. But it's part of a massive dialogue here, John 13 through John 18. And it's basically Jesus' final words uh, before he's crucified, before he's taken away. And so it's at the um, Feast of Passover, and he knows these are kind of his final moments. And so I want to envision, like, if you knew these were your kind of final moments, like, what would you say if you were in a room of all the people you cared for on the earth? Probably, like, the most important thing. Like, not a lot of small talk happening at that gathering. Like, hey, how's the weather? Hey, Peter, you think it's going to be sunny next week? Jesus is like, I don't know. It doesn't matter to me. He's like, wait, why? <laughs> so it was these deep things of the Lord that he's sharing. And so it starts off... They're all gathered at a dinner. Imagine you're all at dinner at my house. It's pre-COVID. You're all at dinner at my house. And... Uh, and we're gathered around, and he does such an unusual thing. He kicks off this whole experience by, this whole talk is going to give 13 through 18, by getting down on his knees, taking a towel, wrapping it around his waist, and washing his disciples' feet. Okay, I know like we don't, we don't culturally have that experience, but that would probably still be as shocking today. If you come to my house and I wash your feet, it's 50-50 you're coming back. <laughs> Maybe that's high. We're talking 90-10, some of y'all. <laughs> 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 
But culturally, this was a huge thing because here was the rabbi, the teacher, the leader, the savior, this Jesus Christ. He is taking the posture that a servant should have taken, and he's washing and serving the people who should have been serving him. So it's this uh, concerning, beautiful, powerful, convicting, confusing moment. And then he gets up. In John 13, 12, he says this. It says, when he'd washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I've done for you? I'm going to tell you right now, no, they don't. He <laughs> says, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Remember, we're talking about the way. How do we discern the will of God for 2021? This is the beginning right here. Jesus is showing his disciples what they should do to be like him. And they are very importantly disciples, not students. Students want to know what a teacher knows. Disciples want to be who the teacher is. If we're disciples of Christ, we want to literally and completely be who he is. Not just know about the things he knows. And so disciples model their entire lives off of their rabbis. They served them for years, and then they would become, they would come into a place of leadership and authority, and then they would do all of those same things exactly as it was done. And so Jesus is saying, if I did this, then you should do this. And he picked, like, not a grandiose act, not an act of power and authority, not an act that made him seem smarter than everybody. He picked, like, the act of a servant. Are you still with me? He picked kneeling in the ground, washing feet, a servant's posture, a servant's heart, a caring for others, a loving for others. And they were like, wait a second. And he's like, yes, this is what you're supposed to model. Not so that you can earn to be my disciple, but because by being my disciple, you will naturally do this. It is linked together, right? It, it is visually obvious. It's like if I say I'm a Seahawks fan, but I wear a Cardinals jersey, you're going to be confused. Same thing. If I say I'm a follower of Jesus, but I don't wash feet, if I don't serve and love others, you're going to be confused. Thus the issue in the world today. And so he's saying, if you love me, do these things. And so after this moment, okay, just kind of imagine that feeling. People are like, okay, this is, in, this is interesting. They feel a little convicted, right? After this moment, Jesus calls out Judas for betraying him all at the same dinner. Judas gets up, runs out, probably crying. I'm just saying, he was very, he, you know, I'm going to say, that's not in there, so don't add it, but. But could you imagine how tense the room was at that moment? Jesus just washed everybody's feet, and then one of your homies that you just spent three years with, Jesus looked him in the face. I won't look at any of you because that'd be kind of weird. I'll look at the camera. Sorry, online people. And he said, hey, heads up. You're going to betray me. Satan has already given you the motive. Go and do what you need to do. Then the guy, like, you're like trying to process this. Like, I'm sorry, what? Who? Ju he has all the money, Jesus, right? And then Judas gets up and runs out. So now you're sitting there. You're one disciple down, and you're like, 
Okay, this is tense, right? And so he looks at his disciples, Jesus, in this moment, and he gives them a new commandment, John 13, 33. He says, little children, yet a little while I'm with you. You seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I'm going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I loved you. You also are to love one another. Verse 35, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Okay, he washed the feet. Judas is running out. Then he looks at all of them and he goes, hey, I'm going to leave, and you can't come. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, what? Right? I'm not going to come. You can't come. But this is how people are going to know me and know that you are with me, is if you love others as I have loved you. He says, while people won't see me, they can see me because of what they see in me reflected in you. Right? Like the moon reflecting the glory of the sun. Right? The moon doesn't have any radiance of its own. It's a hunk of rock circling. But it radiates because of what it reflects. The same thing is true for us. Well, no, me, because of what you're reflecting to others. But Peter, interestingly enough, is furious about this. I, I think it's so fascinating. Peter uh, responds to this in his, like, massively zealous nature. Any emotional responders out there? Okay, come on, just own it. Uh, me, right here. I respond emotionally. Come on, there we go. Thank you. <laughs> I respond emotionally. And uh, Peter responds emotionally uh, and basically tells Jesus uh, very strongly that he does not like this plan. And here's what he says, John 13, 36. So Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I'm going, you cannot follow me, but you will follow afterward. And Peter's like, nah, nah, no. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus answered him, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. Peter says, show me the way. Blaze me the trail, right? Wherever we're going, wherever you're going, I'm going. I'm, I'm, I'm going on that path. What, what do you need me to do? Whatever you need me to, what, who, who do you need me to fight, right? Like, I'm there, right? I'm standing up for you. We're making it happen. I'm there, but Peter is missing it. Why? Because Peter is a doer and a prover. I won't make you raise your hand if, I won't make you raise your hand if you're a doer or a prover. Peter is always trying to prove himself to Christ, to do something for Christ. Peter, like all of us, is deeply flawed, and often our response to being flawed is trying to prove to Christ how committed we are to him, how we deserve the relationship he's already given us. And so Peter's like, I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. I'll die. I'll fight. I'll cut someone's ear off. Like, whatever's going to happen, they'll never take you, Jesus. Jesus is trying to, like, explain his plan. And multiple times, Peter has to get shut down because he's like, I'll do anything. I will do whatever you want. I will do anything. I'll just, just tell me. Anyone ever live this way? Always trying to prove you deserve Jesus. Prove to others. Prove to yourself. Prove to the enemy. Maybe prove to Christ. Prove that you deserve the salvation that's been given to you. See, Peter is so blinded by doing that Christ calls him out. He says, Peter, I don't want you to do anything. I want you to be something. 
See, if your heart is not transformed, your actions are meaningless. And Jesus says, listen, I know you sound zealous, man, but the reality is the most convicting thing in your life in the next 72 hours is going to be a rooster. Because your heart is not recognized that it needs to be transformed and renewed, that it is about being before it's about doing. I mean, faith without works is, is dead. I get that. But if it doesn't have the faith, if it's not about being, then don't even jump over here to doing. You're just trying to prove yourself. Peter's like, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? Peter's like, or Jesus is like, this is what I want you to be. Are you with me still? We are constantly caught in this trap of trying to prove something, do something, make our lives fruitful, give our lives purpose, you know, make something happen. It's like, if I do enough, then Jesus will shine his glory. If I work hard enough, then Jesus will, will shine his glory upon me, and it will happen. If we do enough, then he'll show up. Can I just tell you, baloney. That's not how it works according to him. According to him, it is about being. It is about being in relationship with him and receiving what he has already given and the overflow of that to pour into the rest of our life. And so Jesus says, John 14, 1. John, John 14 is going to be a big chapter for us this year. But John 14, verse 1, he says, let, your hearts, let not your hearts be troubled. What a potent line for this moment, Right? He's already served them. They're very confused. Judas has run out. They're very concerned. Peter got shut down in front of anybody. And now it's just kind of like everybody around the dinner table, like, what is going on? Okay. But he looks at all of them in a very compassionate, gracious moment, as Jesus constantly does. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. He says, believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself that where I am, you may also be. And you know the way to where I'm going. It's in this moment that Thomas kind of like perks up and speaks out. I think if, if all of us, if we were honest, if we were a disciple of this meal, we would be quite confused by this moment. Sorry, homie. We'll fix that later. He told me right before I started my message that he moved it so I wouldn't kick it, and look what happened. <laughs> Prophetic. Awaken. Um, <laughs> but if we were at this meal, I think we'd be a little confused. Jesus says multiple times that he's leaving. He's served him. He's, you know, Judas has run out. He's called him out. He shut down Peter. Now he's like, hey, I'm going to leave. Heads up. Uh, and I'm not going to take any of you with me. And in fact, you, you don't know where I'm going, but you know the way. Thomas says, I think what all of us would be thinking, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? We're very hard on Thomas, but I think I get him. Anybody else feel like they get Thomas? I don't know where you're going. How am I supposed to know the way? Uh, my wife's family vacations at this cabin for like 45 years in Northern California, and we drive from 40 minutes north of Seattle down past like Redding, uh, kind of by Mount Shasta. It's like 14 hours, is a haul. And um, in this part of Northern California, there is neither cell reception nor these nifty things called road signs. And uh, so our job is to, my job, the first time I went is to follow them there, right, just to follow. 
which is great that you have a sense of peace if you know where you're going when you follow somebody. But if you don't know where you're going, that is a tense thing. It's like, nobody cut me off. If someone gets in front of you, you go 80, get around them, pop back in. Because if I get lost out here, like, I don't know what's going to happen. Mainly because I have no idea where I'm going, right? And the thing about the Sierra Nevadas, and if you've ever been in the Sierra Nevadas, any mountains will do in your mind. But you getting ahead of somebody could be like a mile or it could be Nevada, right? Like if you get too far ahead of somebody, if you get around the wrong curve, it's like, I will never see you again. This is where we live. We're homesteading here now. We're going to build a log cabin and raise our children, right? <laughs> Because I have no idea where I am. This is pre-GPS. You'd have that one, like, rich uncle that had a Garmin, but the rest of us are map-questing it or writing it down. So you got to write instructions that you haven't been to in 40 years. My wife is the, only, is the youngest, so she was always in the back of the van. She'd never seen anything. She's like, I think there's, like, a blue house. Go left at the— Anybody over 30 understand what I'm talking about, right? It's like, go left at the blue house. If you get to the Wilson's place, you've gone too far. Like, how do I know it's the Wilson's place? Etched on a wood sign above their back shop, it says Wilson's. They were my friend's second grade teacher, right? It's like, that's how we gave instructions back in the day. Or if you're from the Midwest, you still give instructions that way. <laughs> I'm just, it's true. And so we're following, and I'm like, please, please, please do not, Lord, I'm just like praying, like, just those prayers were like, you almost feel bad, but like, you, you know he hears your prayers. You're like, please, God. Don't let my father-in-law, I mean, he drives so slow, I'll be fine. But don't let him leave me. Don't let him go too fast. And I'm just going to get lost, and this is where I'm going to be. Because why? Because I didn't know the, I didn't know where I was going, so how could I know the way? Thomas, I don't know where you're going. How can I know how to get there? If I was like, hey, Jamin, I'm going to go to the store. You've never been there, but you know the way. You'd be like, no, I don't. <laughs> how am I going to know the way? How am I gonna how am I gonna live the way? How am I gonna have how am I gonna be in the will of God? Did he write it down? This is this is it. Like how, how am I gonna be in the will of God? How am I gonna know the way? Thomas is like, how am I gonna know the way? I have no idea where you're going. And Jesus famously in verse six says this I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known the Father also. From now on you do know him and have seen him. Jesus is saying, you know the way because you know me. I am the way. They say, I don't, I don't know where you're going. How am I going to know the way? And I, and I love the language here. It's so important because Jesus says, you know the way to where I'm going. And Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And he said, well, I didn't say you knew where. I said you knew the way, and I am the way. And since you know me, you know where I'm going. Because I'm going to the Father. And if you know me, you know the Father. So the question is not where is the way, but who is the way? Christ is not a roadmap. Christ is not blazing a trail through the thicket hoping we follow through. And he's going to zig and you're going to zag and you're going to miss out on the will of God for your life. That's not how it works. It's like, oh, if you went to Bible study tonight, then, then you wouldn't have missed it and you would have been honest. See, that's about moments. I mean, please do go to Bible study. But so much of our life is trying to follow a way. But the reality is that Christ has told us to model, to be, to be after, to become the way that is Jesus Christ. When I say the way, it is a capital W. It means Jesus Christ. He is the way. The early church called themselves the way. 
They were labeled as the way. Why? Because every part of their life was reflective of the one they followed and committed their life to. He is the way. And so they're like, well, let's reflect that. See, fulfillment in this life, in eternal life, comes from nothing except the way that is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the way to eternal life. If you're taking notes, write that down. Jesus is the way to eternal life. He said, no one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you know the Father. If you don't know me, you don't know the Father. I uh, was researching this, and amongst fixing fuel pumps and bird hunting, another thing I love is sonnets. I know that's a weird mix. I'm sorry. <laughs> but when I was researching, I came across this uh, really great sonnet. It says this. Give me grace as I read it, because I didn't write it. It says, I am the way to God. I did not come to light a path to blaze a trail that you may simply follow in my tracks, pursue my shadow like a prize that's cheaply won. My life reveals the life of God, the sum of all he is and all he does. So how can you, the sons of night, look on me and construe my way is just the road for you to run? My path takes in Gethsemane, the cross, the stark rejection draped in agony. My way to God embraces utmost loss. Your way to God is not my way, but me. Each other path is a dismal swamp or fraud. I stand alone. I am the way to God. Jesus is the way, the only way to eternal life. You can't earn it. You can't prove it. He's given it to you as the free gift of salvation. He is the way the truth, and the life. And I love how those work together. He's the way because he is the truth and he is the life. Jesus is truth. John 1, 14 tells us, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory. Glory is the only son of the father full of grace and truth. Jesus is life. John 1, 4 tells us, in him was life and the life was the light of men. John eleven twenty five 25 tells us, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Because he's the truth and the life, he's the way for others to come. He is salvation. He is the way. See, when we follow the way of Jesus, it is not about uh, certain things to prove ourselves to get into to heaven or different things. I, I was joking with somebody the other day that because I have tattoos, I'm in lower heaven. Uh, and uh, some people laughed, and some people were like, wait, there's levels of heaven? And I was like, oh, shoot. Like, I was just joking. There's one heaven. I know there's some things that believe that. There is one heaven. There's one God, one spirit, right? Like, I, I don't know if you've read a lot of Dante or whatever, but um, the, the, the reality is that our life and our eternity comes through relationship with God. See, it's, a, it's not about big moments. It's not about trying to miss it or, or make it or prove it or don't. When we follow the way of Jesus, it's about a daily relationship with the one and only God who gives us eternal life. Our life, our doing, everything is a response out of that being, that recognition that God has given us something that we could never earn, that we could never pay for, but we are blessed to have received from a merciful God. Not only is Jesus the way to eternal life, but he's the way to fulfillment in this life. If you're writing notes, you can write that down. Jesus is the way to fulfillment in this life. It's not maybe in the way you would expect, but it is in a powerful, supernatural, spiritual, fruitful sense. 
See, we think that fulfillment comes in these big moments, right? These big moments where, where God's going to do something, that we're finally going to have our moment, right? And then we're going to be like, I don't know. Like, I remember in youth ministry, it was always like the, the kid was like waiting for them. Like, I'm going to have my moment. I'm going to get up on stage. I'm going to be like a youth pastor. And then I'm going to like be in my mode. And I was like, yeah, but like, what are you doing today? It's like, well, I don't know. It's like, well, that actually matters. We're, we're all about these big moments. And I think we need to be honest because there is something that just should bear all the blame for this, and that's 80s sports movies. <laughs> if I'm being honest with you, I love sports movies, right? Like, I cry at two things. Well, a bunch now that I've had kids, but I used to only cry at two things. Uh, one of them, videos of soldiers coming home, that always gets me. Always. That, and like, dogs coming home. Like, I don't know if they come home from war, but... <laughs> You know what I'm talking about? Like kids and the dog, and they run out, and like the whole family's there. Oh, my gosh. Oh my goodness. Hey, if you served, thank you so much. Th those, those just get me. Second thing, sports movies. Why? Because they're powerful. You there is a, even Rudy. How many of you guys seen Rudy? Come on, I was joking about this. Even Rudy, right? There's a moment, right? Sports movies, right? It's like, okay, the people who couldn't, like, uh, remember the Titans. Like, they didn't work together. They didn't like each other. There was this tension. There was this deep tension, right? Glory Road, like, no one believed in them, right? Miracle, they were just a bunch of nobodies, right? And there's like, they're, they're nothing, but they put in the work, and they do it, and they work hard, and they scrap, and like, they didn't have a name, and they fought to where they're at. Like, I really identify with that. So it, like, gets me. And then it's like, yeah. And then there was, like, adversity, and they didn't make it to the Olympics or whatever, and then they did, and then they overcame, and they scored the goal, and it's like, yeah, right? Like, those get me. Those moments get me. They just got them on his shoulders, like, Rudy, Rudy. As a short high schooler, that was my life, right? Not the shoulders thing, just, want, you know, wanted to play special teams, I guess. And so we've lived so much of our life, I think, with this perspective when it comes to God. Okay, there's going to, I'm just going to live how I'm going to live, but one day God's going to intersect me in like a Damascus Road kind of situation, and then I'm going to live for the Lord. When I get married, then everything's going to be fixed. When I have kids, oh man, then I'm going to be a leader. When my kids finally leave the house and I have time to myself, then I'm finally going to do everything God's called me to do. Then I'm going to be walking in his, I've been a little distracted. 2020 wasn't my year, but 2021, that's the year I'm going to be in the will because I, I that's my moment. That's my time. Seize your moment. Do your thing, right? That's like the way we live now. But can I just tell you, fulfillment in this life is not built on proving yourself. It's certainly not built on big moments. It's built on daily moments with Christ. Fulfillment in this life with Christ is not built on proving ourselves. It's built on the relationship of love that he has already proven on the cross for us. He has already proven on the cross for us and secured in his word about us. That is where our fulfillment comes from. I still love sports. I'm going to go home and watch Miracle after this. It's a great movie. But our fulfillment comes from what's been proven on the cross. John 14, 8. Philip says to him, Philip chimes in now, right? He says, you know, no one goes to the Father except through me. And Philip's like, okay, uh, Lord, show us the Father. And that's enough for us, which is a funny thing to say. Show us the almighty God, and then we're good. That's a big ask. And Jesus says to him, have I been with you so long, and you still don't know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am the Father, and the Father is in me? The word that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me and does his work. 
Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father might be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. What a bold statement. Usually, I think we take that chunk. We're like, just pray and just ask whatever. And like, if you have enough faith, God will do it. But it doesn't make sense unless you put it with all of this whole big pot of things, in my opinion. Because you have to look at this statement where he's saying, listen, it's not whoever does great things will receive salvation. Or if you pray hard enough or if you're like, you're hungry enough during the fast, then God will show up. Then God will do something because you suffered enough. And apparently he's very vindictive and doesn't like you. And so you just, he's just mean to you. And if you do enough of this, then he's going to show up. He's saying, listen, whoever believes in me enters into relationship with Jesus as the Lord and Savior. And because of that relationship, God will do great things. But what I love is the phraseology he uses here. He says, uh, he says um, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. Well, what had he most recently done? It wasn't like he just raised the dead at the table. He didn't just heal somebody at the table. What did he just do at the table? He served. He washed feet. He loved others. He says, if you love me, you will do what I just did and greater things. See, Jesus flips it. We're constantly thinking about power and authority and control. And Jesus is constantly flipping it to serving and humility and submittal. And he has all the power and authority and control that he then works through us. But we can still be like, greater things? Yeah, that means like he raised up two dead people. I'm going to hit three dead people raised up. Like I'm going to be in the news. That's not what he says. These things I do, what is he talking about? He's saying, what, I'm do what am I doing? I'm serving you. Christ, who was God, believed that being like God was nothing to be attained, but made himself a servant and humbled himself even unto death. Therefore, Christ, therefore God seated him at his right hand. That's great things, the glory of heaven. But he promises, he says, if you are in this relationship, you will see greater things come because of that relationship. See, the will of God is found and fostered in relationship with the way that is Jesus Christ. That's where we find the will of God. It is found and fostered in that relationship with Jesus Christ. See, great purpose, great fulfillment is found in your daily walk with the Lord. And the good news is that God actually wants good things for you. I don't know if you knew this, but God not only wants good things for you, He promised it in His Word so you knew He was serious just to be sure that he cares for us. I, I love Ephesians 2.8 because it puts it in the right order. It's like, it was a gift, but also good things. It says this, For by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast. Okay, that's the first part, right? You have received this because you are a child of God. Stop trying to earn it. And he says this, though. He says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I'm going to talk more next week about how we participate in his will. But this is powerfully important, is that what he's saying here is that God created us for great things. His will and purpose for our life is fulfillment. It is for good and great things. 
In Romans 12, 2, he says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. So the question is today, how do I discern the will of God for my life? Let me tell you, if you're writing notes, write this down. I live the way of Jesus Christ. I live the way of Jesus Christ. Meaning, I walk daily in obedient relationship with the Lord, being led by the Holy Spirit. I walk daily, daily, not every day, in obedient relationship, right? There's God's decrees and His desires. Your obedience is a participant in God's desires happening in your life. If you reject God, right, <laughs> that, that, that's your choice. But in obedient relationship with the Lord, being led by the Holy Spirit. I think that's so important. John 14, 15, he says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. This is, I'm going to hit this order because this is so important. I don't have points, I just have an order because the order is important. If you love me, love comes first, relationship comes first. You're in a loving relationship. You will keep my commandments. The response of love is to follow with all of your heart. Listen, uh, it's not hard for me to not cheat on my wife. Because, well, I mean, honestly, look at her. <laughs> so good. Um, but, but I'm just saying, because I love her. Because I, I love and care for her. So the response of my love is, is to pursue her with my heart. The same thing is true with Christ. The response of the loving relationship I have with the Lord is to obey Him. But God is very, very smart, and He knows that I am a very, very much a sinner. And He gives me the Holy Spirit to lead me and guide me. That is a huge blessing. God's like, listen, I know your will is your will, <laughs> like my, my weak will, right? <laughs> He says, so I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit to lead and guide, a helper, a comforter. And he doesn't say a lesser. He says another. I'm leaving. I'm going to send you another helper. I'm going to send you a great counselor to be with you, the spirit of truth. So it's not that we're walking in daily obedient relationship, hoping that we don't mess up and he kicks us out of plan A, and maybe we can circle back around to plan C. We're walking daily in obedient relationship with the Lord, being led by the Holy Spirit, knowing that what we have received is by grace, and what we walk in is the spirit. Are you still with me? The last scripture, best summation of this idea. Band, you can come up. Is this. I think this sums up how do I walk in the will of God? How do I live the way of Jesus Christ? How do I see fruit and fulfillment in my life in 2021? And it comes from John 15, verse 1. All these work together. That's so why I, I couldn't just stop at one because I think it all, it drives to this moment right here. John 15, verse 1. He says, I am the true vine. My Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Look at that. That's kind of important. If you feel like God has pruned you this season, he might not be angry at you. He might just be preparing you. Because it looks like the ones that don't bear fruit, he takes away. But the ones that do bear fruit, he says, listen, there's more and greater things. But in order to, i got to remove the dead bits so you can produce life. He says, already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Verse 4, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine and you are the branches. 
Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into a fire and burned. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy might be full. Scripture might say complete, or there might be fulfillment. How do I discern God's will for my life in 2021? I daily abide in the way as the Spirit abides in me. This is that formula. I know, like, we love to pick out, like, ask anything in my name, anything you want, greater things. But do you notice how it's sandwiched between the most in important, important part, abide in me and I in you? That is the crucial part. How do I discern God's will for my life is I daily abide in the way. When I say the way, capital W, Jesus Christ, the way. As the Spirit, the Holy Spirit abides in me. Because this is not about doing, it's like, I'm not going to give you five ways that you abide. <laughs> that would be counterproductive to me telling you it's not about doing. So be like, do these five things. I'm going to give you one thing. Daily abide in the ways the Spirit abides in you. How do we abide? How, well, how does the branch abide? How does the branch abide in a vine? In a vine, the branch's life is entirely dependent on the vine. No branch has life on its own. If you break it, break it off or you break it part off, it will eventually die. Its purpose is literally rooted in the vine. The vine brings life, brings purpose, it brings fulfillment. The branch's fruit comes from the vine. The branch alone, if cut off and fall to the ground, it's not going to produce any fruit. It could be used for a purpose, but not its creative purpose. And the fruit that comes from the branch doesn't glorify the branch. It glorifies the vine and the harvest. And the one who is harvesting, the vine dresser who does the work. I love that imagery. I wonder if we could. We could just picture a giant grapevine stretching from this one over here on the left of our auditorium all the way to the other side. That's probably what? 40, 50 feet. Just imagine a great grapevine stretching all the way across with just like the most amazing grapes you've ever seen. Just this like epic, just like French, like vineyard just right here. And just imagine that one solitary branch is broken off and falls to the ground. And as the day goes, it begins to get dry and withered. It's frayed from where it's been broken off. Maybe it was the wind. Maybe it broke itself off. As the branch is lying there, poetically, it, it calls out. It looks up at the, the great vine that stretches. It sees the vine dresser walking. And as the vine dresser comes along and sees the branch, the branch calls out to the vine dresser and says, What's your will? I'm so dry. I'm so empty. What's your will? When am I going to bear fruit? When am I going to see that good fruit? And the vine dresser, in recognizing the call of the vine, reaches down and picks it up and says, 
when you are grafted back into the vine. See, the beautiful thing about nature is you can take even a branch from another tree, but you can take a vine, and you have to take all those broken parts and dead parts, and you have to cut them away. And then you take that open wound, and you graft it to the vine, and it will grow fruit. It's beautiful. You got to wrap it up tightly. You have to tightly graft it, but eventually it will bear fruit. Jesus says to abide in me. It's to be grafted tightly, to be within, to be a part. It's like I spoke the other week. Christ is not a part of your life. He's the center. He is the vine. He is the life to which we are grafted. We don't graft him into our life. We are grafted into life because of him. And so it's grafted in. We have life through his resurrection. Our life is centered around him and brings fruit because of him. But amazingly, we don't have to possess any anxiety about whether we will gain fruit, fruit, fruitfulness or purpose because the vine is fruitful. The vine has purpose. And so the vine dresser grafts us back in. And so we enter 2021 not wondering if we will be fruitful or full of purpose, but just simply caring about are we grafted in, trusting that God will bring the fruit, releasing the anxiety of prove it, releasing the anxiety of earn it, releasing the comparison we do to others, releasing this feeling of feeling welcome or unwelcome, but just simply saying, listen, Jesus, I want to be grafted in. If there's anything where I have broken myself off, you know, if you take a vine and you break it part of the way off, it's still going to die, right? Jesus, just cut away any of those things and just graft me back in. And that's what he longs for. He doesn't guilt or shame. Like my wife says, those who look to him, their faces are radiant and never covered with shame. So my question today is, rather than trying to force fruitfulness or purpose, rather than entering 2021 hoping for a big moment, instead, can we as believers in Christ, or maybe you've never chosen, but today you want. Can we just say, Jesus, I want to abide in you. I want to be grafted in. I want to be near you. I want to dwell with you. I want to spend time with you. I want to give my life to you. I want to surrender everything to you. And you know what? I trust you with all the fruit and fruitfulness, all the purpose. But my job is just faithfulness. My job is just to be grafted in, just to abide in you and in that relationship that you have given to me because of your great love. If you do that, you will not only discern, but you will walk in God's will for your life in 2021. Abide, daily abide in the way as the Spirit abides in you. Would you stand with me this morning? Would you bow your head and close your eyes? I just want to ask two things. Very simply, and our band's going to lead us in a song declares the love of Jesus as the center of our life. With our eyes closed and our head bowed, I'm going to ask you two things. One, if you've never experienced the hope and healing that comes through Jesus Christ, if you've never experienced that, that freedom from worry or anxiety, we believe, Scripture tells us that everyone can experience the freedom and power of a new life in Christ. Scripture tells us that if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. So today, if you long for that to be made new 
to step into new life with him, to be born again in Jesus Christ. I just want to give you that option. With every eye closed, every head bowed, we make baptism public, but this is a commitment, you and the Lord, right now. If that's you and you're saying, I want to choose to follow Jesus with my life, either here or online, would you raise your hand and put it back down this morning? I want to pray with you today. Jesus, I pray over every life that made that commitment to follow you. I pray right now as they begin that journey of relationship, as they begin that walk with you, God, I pray you would reveal the depths and riches of your love for them. We pray healing for every past and hope for every future as we surrender our hearts, lay our sins at your feet, and receive the freedom and power that comes from a new life in Christ. We give it to you in your name. Second thing, eyes closed, eyes closed, head bowed. If you're here today and you're like, you know what? I want to enter 2021 abiding in Christ with the Spirit abiding in me. I want to walk in the will of the Lord in 2021. I don't know what the year is going to bring, but I know what I'm going to be. I'm going to be abiding in Christ and Him abiding in me. If that's you and you want to walk in the will of God and purpose of fulfillment, and just choose today and say, Holy Spirit, would you lead me and guide me that I might abide in Christ and in his purpose and fulfillment. Would you just lift your hands with me? I'm going to lift my hands as well. I pray that over my life today too. Jesus, I thank you that you see us, that you see every life, that you see every hand, that you see every heart, most importantly. And I thank you, God, that today, that as your word says, when we abide in you, you abide in us. So I pray today in your mighty name, Jesus, in your mighty name, that every heart that longs to abide in you, Holy Spirit, would you move upon every heart. We pray today, we don't want anything but you, Jesus. We want to be grafted into you like never before, tightly woven into that relationship that no lie of the enemy would come in and try to cause division or break it away. But God, I pray today that we would be grafted in. God, I, I speak against any lie that says right now someone has to earn it or prove it, but God, that they would just receive the love that comes from you. They would recognize your great love for them. Like you prayed, Jesus, in John 17, God, that that they would recognize the love and that you love them as you have loved your own son, Jesus Christ. And so I pray today, graft us in, unite us, that we don't have to worry about the fruitfulness. We don't have to worry about all of these other things, but we're walking in the will of God when we walk in the way of Jesus Christ. And so we give our life to you. And I pray, Holy Spirit, we need you to lead us. We need you to guide us. We need you to move upon our life. We need your clarity. And so I pray a great outpouring of not just your gifts but your fruit upon every life that the fruit of the spirit would reign in every life that it would be the fruit of 2021 would be the fruit of the spirit God so Holy Spirit lead us Jesus we come into your presence and we say we are all about you we give our hearts to you and we pray that this would be the year that you would see a group of believers abiding in your love like never before in Jesus' mighty name, let's worship together. Amen.